Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So this is number six in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We started out this whole thing speaking about the idea that this is Jesus speaking, but when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And Courtney preached last week, and I got to watch most of it, and did he do a good job? You appreciate him stepping in. One of the first things that the Holy Spirit will do when you interact with him, when you get born again and receive that spirit, which happens at the same time, which I will address as we continue to go here, he starts speaking to you. And whether you hear a voice or not, it may just be impressions. It may just be the remembrance of scripture. Like you may never feel like you can say, God told me. Some people, that's it's like they seem to have this direct connection with him in such a way where they hear him all the time. I kind of wonder, but anyway. And and I think most of us hear God. Well, in fact, I know this. You hear God better than you think that you do. But the reason you discount hearing him is because it sounds like you. God sounds like you in your own heart and in your own thoughts. And so we discount it. It's like, oh, that's not I don't know. I don't understand. It's not me. I don't, I never hear from him. But you will hear impressions from your heart of him speaking to you. And the first and foremost thing to listen for is something that testifies of Jesus. So let's say that you're praying, you're encountering life. You've got a problem. You've got a success. You've got a habit. You've got people that you're dealing with, job opportunity, job issue, health, whatever it is. Whatever is going on in life, you can turn toward They're just acknowledging the Holy Spirit who promised that he would lead you when you do that. And what he's going to do is testify to you of something that Jesus has accomplished and is actively giving you grace for that particular area of your life. So in other words, you turn your heart toward the Lord and you're going to be reminded of either something Jesus said or a facet of salvation that he accomplished for you. And then what you do with it is you take that and you meditate on that and you let it take root because that thing is alive. So when you turn toward the Lord, let's say it's a health issue for you or someone else, you turn toward the Lord and you grab a hold of what he did. So by his stripes, you're healed or whatever it might be. You grab a hold of that and you meditate on it in your heart because we have the promise of what he paid for in, our, in the atonement that he you know, went through for us. But that's what we do. We take his word, we put it in our heart, we meditate on it, and we let it bear fruit. Sometimes we experience the fruit of it, sometimes we don't. But that's not his fault. That's up to us where we are in our hearts. Not based on how good of a person that you are, but just how receptive you are to that word. A lot of times we become offended at the word or the situation is so uh, intense that it's difficult to let that spiritual word take root and it overrides, and we end up then experiencing whatever's going on in this life, and that happens. But we should never discount the promise of the Word of God, specifically if Jesus paid for it. If Jesus paid for it, it's yours now whether we receive it or not. It's not Him choosing to withhold it from us. It's 
our end of the equation and not being able to receive all that he's given to us. So we talked about that. This week, I do want to talk about baptism with the Spirit. So I have a statement here for you. This, this is real, so this is, this is my message today all summed up. This is the bottom line. Like if you want to, you could leave after I read this, but the rest of it is pretty good too, so I recommend that. All right, so when you are baptized into the sin-removing, new creation-generating authority of Christ, in other words, you get born again, by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit places you in the body of Christ and Christ places his spirit in you. From then on, you are forever indwelt, sealed, and anointed with his spirit. You can then yield to that spirit that dwells in you to come upon you or fill you for fruit and for power. The Holy Spirit is a gift that you received when you were born again. He is a gift. Say, the Holy Spirit is a gift. All right. So let's go through a couple things here. Now, this is kind of teaching mode. Um, on Wednesday nights, we're doing kind of some activation and practicing. You know, Wednesday nights, we're talking about what the gifts, what the fruits look like in action. We've done some meditative exercise, some first person journeying through, having, putting ourselves in a place to expect the Spirit to testify of Jesus. Also, some meditation exercise to cultivate experiencing the fruits of the Spirit, you know, because the Spirit's in there, and it's a matter of just turning your heart toward Him to experience the power of Him within you. First and foremost, for you, for transformation, so that you look outwardly what you already look like inwardly. You know, Christianity is an inside-out journey. It's not a do a bunch of stuff out here to become something inwardly. You're complete in Him, and because of that, you live outwardly. You know, like so people that get fancy with theology and they talk about um, progressive sanctification. You ever, you ever grow up with that term, progressive sanctification, trying to experience the becoming more and more clean and more and more holy? It's like, no, you are 100% holy and clean and pure and sanctified in your spirit. And then as you yield to that reality of who you are in spirit, it affects the rest of your being. You could call that progressive sanctification if you like, but there is no end goal because the end goal is already accomplished in you by the faith, by the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. Say, I'm complete in Him. All right. So it's important to understand these kinds of things as you're seeking to experience the, in, the, this relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the filling of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about, what that actually is. It's an endowment with power. It's, an, it's like the, an, the Spirit coming upon you or in your mind or manifesting in a particular way. That's what filling, being filled with the Spirit is. But, you know, we, we want to see, we want to experience that in just our everyday life, right? I mean, we got moms, we have bosses, we have employees, we have school teachers, we have people in all kinds of profession. Mostly what you need the Holy Spirit for in your life is to make daily good godly decisions that reap a spiritual fruit in your life and bring glory to God. Mostly that's what we're after is an ordinary manifestation of the Spirit in the ordinary mundane aspects of your life. Unfortunately, charismatics tend to focus on the extraordinary 
and you see a lot of you see a lot of issues. You know, you see a lot of circles that are really going after the gifts and really going after the phenomenal supernatural experiences. And it's like, well, how about your how about your relationship with your children? How about what kind of employee you are? How about being a person of character and integrity that is experiencing the general fruit of God in your life? You know, we want the extraordinary without the ordinary. And I'm telling you, you're not going to experience the extraordinary consistently if you're not walking daily with him and yielding to him moment by moment, making those decisions. I'm telling you, it is just as important for you to hear God on what you should eat that day or maybe the dietary changes that you need to make going forward for your life as it is what you're supposed to do with your life for God, so to speak. In other words, it's, it's all obedience to him. And I promise you, he is talking to you about your diet. <laughs> he is talking to you about how you manage your finances. He is talking to you about how you respond to your spouse, how you interact with your family. He's talking to you about those kinds of things. We want him to talk to us about the future, but if you don't take the time to develop the relationship with him in the ordinary aspects of life, you're not, it's going to be difficult for you to pick up on, oh, this big thing that he wants to speak to you. Are you with me? I love to demystify spiritual experience because spiritual experience happens all the time. I view the spirit like this. It's like food. If you take, let's say you go on a cookie brownie diet for two weeks and all you eat is cookies and brownies, how are you going to feel? Great for a little bit. Horrible. All right. Two weeks, you go on whatever you define as a healthy diet that works for you. How are you going to feel? Yeah. Why? Because that food has the nutrients and the substance within it to fuel the, your body, which is designed to assimilate those vitamins and minerals and nutrients to strengthen and repair, you know, all of that. That's how I see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is spiritual good food. And he's real. And it's not just an idea. The Holy Spirit is not just out there somewhere wandering around in the ether, maybe talking to you. You know, you hear this description of Jesus. It's like the wind blows here and the wind blows there. And you look at Jesus and he just, oh, I think we'll go here. No, I think we'll go here. Well, no, he had a daily habit of communing with his father yielding to that spirit, being strengthened by him. That is grace. Think about this. The spirit of God is an actual substance. Much like you go out and the sun is giving your skin vitamin D. You eat food and your food knows how to break that food down and assimilate it into your organ system. Your new heart and the spirit of God within you knows how to assimilate the Spirit of God and produce the fruit of the Spirit within your life. And the fruit of the Spirit is, you know, the list of the nine things, but it's also power to move in ministry toward others. It's decision-making. It's all of that. But you got to put it in there. you got to take the time. What I like to do is take the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, And then when it starts to kind of rise up, you know, like start, like I can see this picture in my mind, I'm reading the word of God 
and it's like you're reading, and you know, we've all had this, right? It's like, I'm going to read the entire book of Ephesians today, and you get to like chapter 1, verse 4, and you get stuck, and then you're like 30 minutes later, you're still thinking about that passage. Well, you're giving the written word an opportunity to become the living word. And unfortunately, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're usually either hyper-mystical with it, or it's just an idea that's not very functional for our lives. I want the Holy Spirit to be functional for you, something that you actually have a relationship with and interact with. So I want you leaving today totally grounded in the reality that you have been placed into the body of Christ by the Spirit, and Christ has put the Spirit in you. Everything else from then on is you making a faith choice to access that spirit that is available for every aspect of your life from here going forward. Amen? It's like a deposit that you can reach into with your heart, with your faith, and experience the power of the spirit, whether it be just making the good decisions for your kids' lives or your, the next 50 years of your life going forward, what you're going to do. All right, so... Now, let me just kind of teach, get this, go through a few precepts here. So 1 Corinthians 9, uh, and we, we started out, or we, the last time I preached, we talked about baptism into the body of Christ. So we are God's fellow workers. You are God, oh, no, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is the mindset that I want you to walk out of here today with. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Say, I'm God's field. He's planting things in you. He's planting His Spirit in you. He's planting seeds to bear fruit in you. Do you. Can you see a picture of that? I mean, what is God planting in you? In fact, the things that you think you need to do for Him, you need to let Him plant those in you, and that's how you pursue living those kinds of things out. You know, and so there's not a lot of teaching on how you do that, but the Holy Spirit will teach you. You're God's field. You are, God, you are God's building. Say, I'm God's building. This, like this building here, all these churches with steeples, those aren't God's buildings. You are God's building. These are buildings for God's buildings. Uh, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know that? Say, the Spirit of God dwells in me. All right. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You know, and I want to kind of dismantle this idea that you get born again, and then you got to wait for the Spirit, or wait for the power, or wait for the baptism, or wait to be infilled, or all of that stuff. No, you either have the Spirit, or you don't. And how do you have the Spirit? By faith. You say, yes, I believe that what Jesus did was for me. And we saw last, in the last message that that generates you, regenerates you, makes you born again, makes you that new creature when you hear the gospel and believe. And so then we talked about the idea of being baptized into the name of Jesus or being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not about the words that are spoken as you come up out of the water not trying to invalidate water baptism, but being baptized in the name of Jesus is to be immersed in the authority of Jesus because that is what cleanses you. So that baptism into Christ was this. 
uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. A body of water? Did the spirit baptize you into a body of water? Now, that water baptism is an outward expression, a signification of the spiritual baptism that you ex actually experience. By one spirit, we're baptized into one body. So this is the doctrine is in place here, that the spirit immerses you, baptizo, puts you into Christ. The way that you are baptized into Christ is the spirit puts you in there, okay? And you are forever sealed. So whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves are free, uh, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Romans 6, 3. Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? So again, this phrase, baptized into Christ, it means what it says. You are immersed into Christ. It doesn't mean that you run down to the river and you get water baptized, and then that is the word spoken in the name of Jesus, right? How many of you have ever been a part of a congregation and that they, they squabbled with other congregations over what words needed to be spoken when you came up out of the water for water baptism? Honestly, raise your hand. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Well, no, it's not just in Jesus' name. It's in the name of Jesus Christ and the Father and the, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like that's not even what it's talking about in general. It's not about the words that are spoken. And isn't that indicative to what Christianity has become? Semantics and infighting about words rather than the experience of the Spirit. To be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, in, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ means to be immersed in His authority because He has the authority to cleanse you. So therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we all show, also should walk in newness of life this is Jesus, I indeed, no, this is, uh, sorry, John the Baptist, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, that he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the Spirit baptizes you into the body. Jesus baptizes you with the Spirit. In other words, immerses you in the Spirit. And, and there's a lot of confusion about that. So fire, like say fire. fire. All right. Baptism with fire. What does that mean? Fire. And any good charismatic will tell you that's the power. <laughs> it's the power. Well, there's one thing wrong with that. It never meant that in Hebrew culture. It always meant judgment and purification. So evidenced here in Isaiah 4.4. 4. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains from the heart of Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Baptism with fire is a cleansing. Baptism with fire is a purification. That is when you are judged according to the righteousness of Christ and sanctified. Being baptized with fire is not a separate event where you get power. Being baptized with fire is when God looks at you and judges you and sees that you have Christ, and because Christ is already judged, you are considered redeemed. And then that fire burns away. It's that circumcision performed on you without hands. You could say fire is the tool of God's 
miraculous spiritual circumcision that he performs on you, blood and fire, the blood of Christ and his judgment, his purification. So literally, a lot of times when people get born again, they experience the warmth and the heat and the fire. I honestly think that's why we experience heat a lot of times when we pray for people because it's that purification, cleansing of sin or cleansing of uh, disease or whatever. That fire of God is, is, bring, is executing judgment on whatever it is that it's eradicating from your body because it doesn't have the right to be there. It judges that illness, that disease, whatever it is that you need to be delivered from. So fire denotes judgment or cleansing. Charismatics assume fires equal pow- fire equals power, but it never meant that. I already said that. So let me read this. This is I'm not a huge fan of commentaries just because they're typically pretty legalistic, but I, I liked this one, how, it's, how it read here. This is Ellicott's commentary. Uh, so talking about baptism with fire. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire as heard and understood at the time. See, and th- this, is, this is how we have to read the Bible. It's one of the questions that we ask, what did the author mean? What was the mindset of the people that he was writing to? What would this have meant to them, right? So the baptism with the Holy Ghost would imply that the souls baptized would be plunged, as it were, into that creative and informing spirit, which was the source of life and holiness and wisdom. Plunged into that source of life. So the baptism with fire would convey, in its turn, the thought of a power at once destroying evil and purifying good. When Jesus baptizes you with fire, he destroys evil and purifies the good. Interesting, right? The appearance, now this this is, I'd never really even heard this before, but I like this. The appearance of the tongues like as of fire that accompanied the gift of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost was an outward visible sign, an extension of the symbolism rather than the actual fulfillment of the promise. Now, there's a, you got to kind of have to think that one through. It's not say, it, this is not saying that tongues aren't real. It's saying that tongues aren't the evidence, or at least on the day of Pentecost, tongues weren't the evidence of receiving the Spirit. They were the evidence that the Spirit was in there and coming upon them, which is what it means to be filled. But we're going to get there. We're going to keep going, all right? So, baptism with the Spirit. This is Jesus. I myself did not, or sorry, this is, um, did I already read that one? No, this is, it's a different version, different statement from John the Baptist. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So just more validating that. All right, John, this, there's a lot here, and I love teaching on this, and I'm trying to make it where it's not overwhelming, but the simplicity of it is you receive the Spirit when you're born again. All right, so John 20, 22. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Now, this is after the crucifixion. Think about that. They they saw him crucified. They addressed the body. They prepared the body for the grave. 
and here he is, comes walking in the room. So when he had said to them, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. <laughs> I love those kinds of phrases. It's just like, well, I guess so. I mean, glad is probably an understatement. They were probably freaking out. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. All right? Now, you could say that when you get born again, this is probably when they got born again. Like classically, if you read, you know, study theology, I mean, it's really even just out of casual reading, you can come away with that conclusion. The disciples probably were born again in this moment. Now, what happened? They received the Spirit. So let me ask you this. Did they have the Spirit? What does it mean to receive? What does receive mean? Anybody want to venture? What does receive mean? It means receive. <laughs> they received the Spirit. They had it. Are you with me? It's important. I know I'm talking to you like you're fourth graders, but I'm trying to just make it clear and simple because so many people invalidate their own experiences and question through legalism whether or not they're complete in Christ, whether or not they have the Spirit, whether or not they have the gifts of the Spirit, whether or not they've been baptized with the Spirit because we have all this flaky experiential stuff built upon it and we lack this understanding. Had they received the Spirit? Yes or no? Okay. Specifically for them. Now, I'll say this. I think it's different for us now. But with them, so Luke 24, 14, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay? So that's in Cliff's notes here. We're actually going to talk more about being endued with power next week. I'm going to get there a little bit. But I want to look, so let's look at this now, right? Jesus breathed on them. They had received the Spirit. So now let's look in Acts 1. So this is after that, after they had been breathed on by Jesus to receive the Spirit. You know, a lot of people believe that Luke wrote the book of Acts, and you can just go from the end of Luke right into Acts. And if you, if you read it that way, it's like Luke just continues all the way on through Acts. It, you know, it's really an interesting read to, to do it that way. So... And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, had they received the Spirit? He breathed on them. He said, Receive the Spirit. They had received the Spirit. All right, so uh, not many days from now. Therefore... When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That's a whole other topic and discussion. They were waiting for this conquering king to come and overthrow Rome and set them up as the rulers on this planet. He did, but it's a spiritual kingdom. All right, And we are ruling and reigning with him in that kingdom now. Say now. We're not waiting for him to show up and be dominant. He's waiting for us to step into the power that he's already given us. Verse 7, And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Had they received the Spirit? They already had the Spirit. Okay. 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right, so you receive the Spirit to be a witness of Jesus. And it starts as soon as your feet hit the floor. You witness to yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit about Jesus. And then on from there forward. All right, so Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. So, so what is Pentecost? Pentecost is Shavat, which is the Hebrew um, celebration. It's the first day of Passover. Passover is when God delivered the Jews from Egypt, right? He said, put the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts of your houses. And so when I pass through the land and if I see the blood, you're covered and you'll be protected. You know, obviously symbolizing the protection that we have in the blood of Christ. So 50 days later is when they're out in the wilderness and Moses receives the law or the Torah from the Spirit of God. So beginning of Passover to the receiving of the Torah is a 50-day period. And that's what they were celebrating is the feast remembering the receiving of the Torah, Shavat, when they received the Holy Spirit. So it's almost like he initiated what Pentecost is by giving the law, and then he gave the Spirit on the same day. So Shavat is 50 days after Passover. It was the day that God gave Moses the Torah, just, just so that we understand classically what it is. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues or different diverse tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues and the, as the Spirit gave them utterance. We'll talk about that this Wednesday night as the Spirit gave them utterance and some next week too. So is this when they received the Spirit? When did they receive the Spirit? When Jesus breathed on them. We know they received the Spirit. I'll admit there is a little bit of confusing language when he says wait to experience the baptism of the Spirit. This gives us more clarification, and they were filled with the Spirit. So had they received the Spirit? Yes. The baptism with the Spirit for them seemed to be at a separate time, and it may have been. But now the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is poured out in the earth, we don't get saved and then wait for the Spirit to be poured out or come upon us. You know, it's, it's when we try to understand the interaction of the Holy Spirit for the believer now based on the unique situations that they experienced in this time before the Spirit had been poured out, poured out we, you know, there's confusion. So from this time on, it's ministered this way. And I'm, I'm going to back up and clarify because I know that I just threw a lot at you there. From now on, it's this way. Or from then on, it's, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin or born again. And you are born again, made new, made a new creature. When you hear the gospel and believe, and we went over Acts 19 and 20 last time where it seemed to be they weren't born again or they didn't have the Spirit. The fact is they weren't born again. And you shall receive the gift of the Spirit. So in other words, when you are born again, you receive the gift of the Spirit. Whether or not water is involved. Now, I know we live in Baptist land. 
And when you start poking holes in water baptism and how it relates to salvation, people get nervous. I'm not saying water baptism is invalid. What I'm saying here is being baptized in the name of Jesus is not water baptism, and it's not about what words are spoken to you when you come up out of the water. This is a spiritual thing of being placed into the body of Christ, being immersed into the authority of Christ, all right? So from then forward, you get born again, you receive the Spirit. Now, you may or may not experience being filled with the Spirit in that moment, which actually means under the influence, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, uh, let's see, we already read that one. All right, so watch this. He saved us, not because of our works, but us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is active in your regeneration. You, however, are not in the flesh. I already read that one too. I got it out of order. So being baptized with the Spirit is something that Jesus does when you hear and believe, all right? So now, we're not trying to experience the baptism of the Spirit. We're trying to experience being filled with the Spirit. And again, this is detail, but watch this. So this is so Acts 4, which is after verse one, or chapters 1 and 2. 4 is after 1 and 2, okay, with me. I'm trying to stop because I know what happens. I throw a lot of information at you. And it's like you get you stop on one thing and you start thinking or you start thinking about lunch or it's like, when's he going to show? Anyway, <laughs> say four is after two. Four is after two. Now you can slap me later and I'll, I'll be all right. Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, and then he goes on to say what he says. So let me ask you this. Did Peter receive the Spirit in this moment of ministry? Did he become filled with the Spirit for the first time in this moment of ministry? Okay. The word filled is under the influence of, or it actually does mean to be filled up with. It doesn't mean to receive. It means to become under the influence of. Now, a lot of Christians are baptized into Christ, baptized with the Holy Spirit, but not experiencing being filled with the Spirit. And you can be filled with the Spirit ordinarily every day of the basic normal situations of your life. In fact, I pray that you are. I pray that you start there. I pray that you practice being filled or under the influence of the Spirit in your daily life so that as you go about it in your daily life, you have the experiential knowledge of letting the Holy Spirit come upon you for your average daily life so that when an extraordinary, unique situation comes along, you understand what it looks like to say, I can't do this, but I know who can. And he's right here in me. And by grace through faith, I'm going to make a demand on that spirit or I'm going to exercise or access that spirit. Romans 5 says that we access grace by faith. And the acting out of the Spirit within you is grace. The word grace is charis, and the word action of grace is charisma. The gifts of the... I'm, I'm all over the place. But the word gifts 
for gifts of the Spirit. The, word, the Greek word for gifts is the word charis, which is the word grace. They're actually graces of the Spirit. Or in other words, expressions of His grace through you, expressions of His power. So when you, when you experience the fruit of the Spirit or you operate in the, the gifts of the Spirit, what's happening is you are accessing by faith that grace, that influence within you to come upon you and empower you in a way that you can't on your own. You can literally be empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose what you're going to eat for dinner. You can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose how you're going to respond to life. Are you with me? I, I hope you do. I hope from now on being filled with the Spirit is not some mystical experience that you're waiting to happen, but it's a choice that you make to be influenced by the Spirit in that moment in a very ordinary way or an ordinary area of life, and it changes your emotions. And so this, to me... Experiencing transformation as a result of mind renewal is the same thing as using your faith to access grace to be filled or under the influence of the Spirit to then proceed in whatever way He would lead you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, but it's not some separate thing that you're waiting for God to show up and do to you and for you because we pray that, right? We pray, God, I need you to show up. Or maybe you prayed, God really showed up today. Well, in some way, whether you are conscious of it or not, your heart accessed what was already in there, and you experienced something in a way that you could have at any time, but just for whatever reason, your heart was able to grab it in that moment. God is not sitting in heaven waiting for you to do something to get Him, to give Him permission to show up and do something in your life. He is a spiritual wellspring of life within you. He is a perpetual vitamin pill that is continually... You ever taken medicine and it's time-released? It's like you take it and it time-releases later. The Holy Spirit is a time-release capsule of life within you, constantly leaching and leaking power and energy and grace and joy and peace and faith and righteousness and holiness and patience all the time, constantly. But it's almost like it's a wavelength of energy or frequency that you might not be tuned to, that you can tune to to receive. I'm just talking metaphor and parable so that we understand here, right? There are radio waves coming into this room that you can't hear, but you take a receiver and you tune it to the right frequency, and all of a sudden music starts coming out of that box, right? because you tuned to that wavelength and frequency. I think experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit is much like that. He is a constant, active wave in your life, a power, a force, a person that you can have a relationship with, that He's right there waiting to interact with you. But we have to make that choice. And we make that choice by believing what He says in His Word, taking that word, putting in our heart, meditating on that word so that it becomes active in our lives. How many of you, so, so let me just ask you this, how many of you struggle with patience? Okay. How many of you, sometimes you're good at being patient and sometimes you're not good at being patient? Well, that, there's more hands that came up on that one than last time. 
He's like, oh, he's not trying to trick us. I'll go ahead and read that. Now, patience being a fruit of the Spirit is not about how good of a Christian that you are. It's about to what degree can you yield to the Spirit of God in that moment. See, we, we as, you know, charismatics, and I guess I'll use that term for us because we believe in the gifts, the charismatic world has done a disservice to the Christian body because we make the Christian think you're going to grow in power or you're going to grow in your ability to perform works and you're going to become more of something. You're going to become a better prophet, a better healer, or any of that kind of stuff. It's like, no, the full capacity and power to be anything that you'll ever be in the body of Christ is in there now. The difference is to what degree are you yielding moment by moment? Like I've been to places and preached and saw miracles that I never even thought possible just from preaching the gospel. In Africa, especially, animals getting healed. These are people that live out in the middle of nowhere, don't watch the TV preacher. They don't know that you're supposed to give the courtesy drop to the preacher as they pray for you, you know what I mean? I mean, a lot of times you go places and it's like the, the hearer wants to please the preacher. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if you've ever been that way. It's like you want the preacher to like you and yeah. You know, and, and then you want to tell them how awesome they were at the end of the service. They, they didn't know to play that game. They're suffering with their children dying of typhoid and malaria. They got to hike six hours a day to get water. They drop down on the ground to have their babies because they walk as far as they possibly They're not playing the game. And they're coming to us saying, typhoid, we, we had typhoid before you got here and it's gone now. Malaria, it's raining. Our animals are healed. I even had, one guy told me, he said, even my, he said, I, Jesus even healed my sorrows. Amen. I'll never forget him saying that. And it's video that we have on our YouTube channel. Because they heard the gospel. Now, was I operating in more power? You know, I, I don't really try to define all that kind of stuff. I've been in situations where I'm praying for people, and I absolutely know that what I'm praying for, it's going to happen. You ever been there? And then other times you're praying and you're like, am I even saved? I don't even know. Do I, do I even believe this? You know, are you with me? I mean, you know that you believe it, but there's no confidence there. You're experiencing the influence of the Spirit is very much related to your confidence in Him. Not your confidence in you, but your confidence in Him in that moment. And sometimes the gift of faith will even rise up within you that the Holy Spirit gives you in that moment. And you have faith that you're just like so bold. And then later on you think about it and you're like, well, that was, that was pretty bold. But that's just the way that the Holy Spirit will flow through you. I want us to experience those things in our everyday average lives. Quit listening to the big time preacher stories and reading the books and then thinking, I'm going to do that one day. Well, it's already in you. If you read that stuff, read it from the perspective of, man, they must have lived a lifestyle of a, day, a daily walk with God that then just kind of built up into that. And what builds it up is not your anointing growing or your power growing or your gift growing. It's your confidence growing in who He is. Amen. That's what we need, confidence in Him. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. You're baptized into Christ. When you get born again, 
He puts the Spirit in you when you are born again. From then on, it's your choice whether or not you're going to be influenced by that Spirit. Four, personal transformation and walking in the ministry of reconciliation in your place in the body of Christ. Amen? So the next couple of Wednesdays, I want to talk about that and do some practical stuff, practicing. You know, so when we gather to practice the gifts of the Spirit, we're not trying to get God to do anything. We're not trying to get something from God. We're not trying to lay hands on each other and give each other gifts. <laughs> you got the Spirit. All we're doing is trying to facilitate the opportunity for you to allow yourself to be influenced by the Spirit so that you gain some experience and confidence so that when you're out living your everyday normal lives, you've, you've had the experience of being influenced by God and you know what to do. You're out eating dinner or someone in your life calls you and needs this or whatever. You know, I mean, I get calls and emails all the time. I, just because of the position that I'm in in the body of Christ, I get the opportunity to turn my heart toward God a lot, to try to hear from Him, to have something to give back to people, whether it be practical or just answering emails, whatever. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is just itching for opportunities to influence you in the average, ordinary, everyday situations of your life. And He is. And it doesn't have to be some big phenomenal experience and goosebump thing that you have. It's just a matter of you have a decision to make in your life that day for whatever basic of an area it is, and you intentionally turn toward the Holy Spirit and expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I would say start with peace. Whenever you have decisions to make, whenever you're trying to move forward, get to that place of peace and then let the Holy Spirit testify of Jesus and then whatever gift God needs to operate through you, He will cause it to come through you. And it's just a matter of your confidence in learning how it looks, what it looks like to work through you. Amen? Say, I'm complete in Christ. I'm complete in Christ. I have the Spirit of God within me. I lack nothing. I'm a child of God. Amen? And you can choose. It's a daily choice. A daily, because listen, I know some of y'all are struggling with things that you feel shame about or you're just overwhelmed with life. You, there's depression, there's difficulties we're struggling with. We think we should be further along than we are. We have these habits that we don't like about ourselves. Those are the areas where you let God empower you. God's not going to just show up and magically change you. It doesn't work that way. I mean, sometimes you experience a radical deliverance and then you're just changed from there forward. But I just, in the end, I was done, and then I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, stop for just a minute. Think about the areas of your life, not where you need some phenomenal experience, but where you just would like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So let's just, just I know I'm going long. Let's just think about that for just a minute. Father, I place my life before you. In fact, let's just stand up, if you would, stand up on your feet and Acknowledge Him. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge You. Father God, we acknowledge You. The Spirit of the living God dwells within me. You are seeking to influence me. You are seeking to empower me and strengthen me. 
in this moment, you are strengthening and encouraging personal transformation as I renew my mind to the fact that I am your child. I have your favor in my life. You are active in my life right now. Your spirit is testifying to me that I'm your child. You're giving life to my physical body. You are seeking to meet my needs out of your riches in glory. There is a wellspring of life. Now just think about that for just a moment. There's a wellspring of life within me, rising up within me, giving me power, strength, wisdom, knowledge, influencing me, and I yield to you. Just say, I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I trust you. I want to be influenced by you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then from there forward, I trust that you will have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Like, I trust the Holy Spirit more in your life than anything that I can do, this church can do, any other preacher or any external thing within Christianity can do for you. To me, the greatest thing that we can do is bring you to this moment right now and bring you face-to-face with the Father, and then you interact with Him and go forward from there, whatever that looks like for you. Because you hear God, and you can yield to God, and you lack nothing. Amen? Now, some of you don't pray with your spirit or in the spirit or with tongues, and that's okay. You just haven't yielded to it yet. It's in you. But if you want to do that, then as we dismiss, I want you to come forward, and there's going to be a couple of people to pray with you. We'll, we'll dismiss everybody, and that's something that you can come forward. And Glenn, if you guys, Bob, y'all, y'all actually head on up here. I just want to give you the I'm not going to make a big spectacle out of it and make you do something you're not comfortable with. I, I want it to be personal for you, but I do want to give you that opportunity. So if that's something that you want to do that you've never done before, as we dismiss, make your way up here and... and uh, These guys will walk you through that. Father, I just thank you. I speak life and blessing over every person in this place. We thank you that we're complete in you. There's nothing that we have to do to become more of a Christian, but we want to live lives yielded to your power and your influence, and we choose to do that from here forward. Amen.